Welcome back, everybody, to the Spicy PL Podcast. This is episode eight. I hope you're all buckled up because this is going to be a spicy one. <laughs> I'm Alex Bavel here with Big Joe Cap and James Peachy Marcotte. What's up? What's up, everybody? So, for errors and omissions, we usually start out with. We got anything, Joe? Um, not really on the error side. Uh, the Norwegians. They're coming out of the woodwork, which we love. We've been talking about Norway a lot. Um, Marta Elvrum listened to the pod this week, which is I'm stoked about. And uh, Kelly Jail Buckland, Backland, sorry, Kiel. Um, he's listened to the pod, obviously. So he shot me a message and say, in the next two weeks, um, we're going to know a lot more about what's going to be happening in Stavanger for Open Worlds, which is great. So... I'll probably exchange some messages with him in a couple of weeks, but he also gave me some shit for saying Mike Bridges popped. <laughs> That's the second person, Eric Cordero and Kel, looking out for Mike Bridges for some reason. Um, I think if you know Mike Bridges personally, you probably wouldn't want to look out for him, but hey, he's a good lifter. Um, crazy error back in those times. Also, Morton Middlethon, yeah. he, he, he shot us a comment again just saying he, he actually is part of the organizing committee. So all the stuff we said last week on good shit happening for uh, Stavanger Open Worlds, hopefully the U.S. team gets to go, it's a pretty good source. So thanks, Morton. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. But Arizona Missions, on our end, not much, man. We're killing it. Oh, what do you absolutely. Want? What do you want from us? We know everything. <laughs> why, why else would we be making a podcast? Yeah. Duh. Make your own pod. <laughs> and we got the shout out from Blaine. I think he was probably happy we called him a powerlifting god, but pissed that you said he was ugly. Yeah, but he knows. We've argued for a long time about who's better looking. Like, you know, we yeah. don't, at this point, you can't argue about who's stronger. Like, that's yeah. dumb. It's pretty like, obvious who's uglier. You think? I think it's pretty obvious. Well, who, I mean, who's well, prettier? Leave it. <laughs> <laughs> leave it to the listeners. I may be partial. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're my fucking boyfriend. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we're just going to dive right in because we usually go into like the current events, the uh, the topics that are making the headlines and going crazy in social media. And a lot of it is based on the most recent events still with social, uh, ju- social justice in America. Social justice, uh, George Floyd, Black Lives Matter, and and the companies making statements. Yeah, no, we, we talked about this we're a not. little bit last week, you know, because we, we wanted to, at, I know we don't have a ton of listeners and we're not, um, we're not making waves, but if you know us personally and you want to know what we think, we, we thought we should make a statement and I guess, you know, that's probably what people should think about doing. Um, I don't know, uh, Peach, you, you've looked into this a little bit. Um, a lot of people are giving the USPA shit. Yeah, there's, there's a official change.org page and, um, the petition states a bunch of demands. Basically, I mean, you can go ahead and read it for yourself, USPA. Uh, yeah, it's on change.org. Yeah, we're um, looking at it now. It's, it's, it's pretty lengthy. But so. more or less, it's saying that it wants the USPA to come out and, you know, say that racism is bad and that people who are affiliated with the USPA, if they exhibit racist behavior, should be punished. You know. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think about that, Babel? You were, you were giving, it, giving it some good thought before. Yeah, well, first of all, I, th- I think everybody knows our stance that, you know, we're in full support of equality, that everyone should be treated equally, especially by our law enforcement and judicial system, and that change is required, and we're supportive of peaceful protests. And 
and we've all made statements on that. And it sounds like the USPA hasn't really put out any statement. And I think that's what's caused a lot of concern is like, why aren't they saying anything? You know, are they in support of, you know, not in support of this? Are they racist? I mean, honestly, like, I think the USPA, they're, they might not even know that they're supposed to make a statement. These guys are such idiots. Like <laughs> the top, like they might not, they might be out of touch with social media, but probably not. So they don't have the same social media presence as like USAPL, IPF. Yeah. And I'm not, and I'm not trying to cut them a break. Um, pro- like they probably do know about this. Honestly, <laughs> you're not going to break. You're calling them morons. Yeah. That's I'm good. calling them morons. <laughs> and, um, I, I think like, Creating this petition is one thing, but you know, if, if you're pissed off by this and you live for the USPA, you know, show it with your with your wallet. Switch to another Fed. Live somewhere else. Don't just like cry about it and make a petition. Just fucking leave. Yeah, go somewhere else. I think voting is voting, and then spending money is like even sometimes more powerful than yeah, voting. Yeah, so exactly. Like signing a petition. That's your power. You know, it's all good and well, and it sh- it makes a statement, but you know. Do, do action. Just fucking leave. And, yeah. and that's Don't one of the there. best things about powerlifting is that there's so many different federations. Yeah. You know, if you want to lift drug free, you can lift in the USAPL. If you want to lift untested, there's like tons of different federations you can 100%. lift. You know, so you don't have to support USPA if yeah. you don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. I just think maybe they've had some history with it too. So people really want to see like progress. I mean, this is kind of like just a one off story, but I know like a, I know of a really good IPF lifter, Jason Mike. Bench mm-hmm. 600 pounds at a light super heavyweight and an M1. Pretty amazing bench presser and also overall. I think he won M1 Classic Worlds. Um, you know, his personality is a little out there. He's a little crazy. You know, I follow him because he's amazing. Um, but I definitely gave him shit years ago for, like, having to go fund me as a grown man to go to a meet. Um, so I'm pretty sure he doesn't like me. But uh, that's fine. I still acknowledge what he is. But he has a story about... He was originally competing USPA and uh, he did a meet where he was really like before the meet people, judges were like analyzing his training video to see how they could red light his lifts. And then there was a judge standing on the platform and there's really a crazy video of him doing like a really pretty deadlift with 771. And it's like uh, as an IPF lifter and a referee, I can't find any infraction at all. And they red lighted the lift, and that's when he made the decision to lift USAPL. And I'm sure good for him. He's gained a, a, a large online following. He sells some um, apparel now. He's won a world championship or two. He does uh, a lot of bench programming. This is Mr. Athletic over, Mr. Athletic over, over everything. everything. Yeah. The guy's yeah. strong as fuck. <laughs> I watched, <laughs> that, vi- I watched that, video? that video. Yeah, he, was, he made a, a giant post about it on his Instagram. I think he's Mr. Athletic over everything. And he you know, had some, some problems with some of the judges and he went in and he, he smoked this deadlift. Everything was locked out. No hitch held it at the yeah. top three times, I think, and got red lighted by the same, like two judges every time. Every time. And in powerlifting, like there's always a lot of posts shitting on judging and it's like yeah. usually super self-serving and self-centered. And you know, my, usually my thing is like, get over it. We've all been fucked. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I, I find his story and how he like articulated the events to be very believable. And yeah. it was actually enough for him to switch federations. And since he's been doing a ton of USAPL meets, he's not the type of guy that talks about judging. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I think it's very likely and believable that that could have been like a racially charged or yeah, 100%. personal 
a personal like, vendetta. You know, and we're, we're from the Northeast. Like we have no idea what it's like, you know, to live as a person of color in the South and like going to the South a lot, Atlanta, Texas, like I have great friends there. I know they're, you know, on the right side of history, but being in those environments, you can tell it's, mm-hmm. it's different, you know? So I, I believe it. Yeah. And, uh, I think that's why and I, I'm sure it's not an isolated insulin in, incident. So I think that's why people are expecting or demanding more action from USPA over like, you know, maybe another smaller company or corporation that maybe is just not aware or not doing much, but no one really cares. People want to see this, you yeah, know, they, sh- they should. And it's the only decent thing is to make a statement, but these guys don't want to. So, I mean, petition's great, but say it with, say it with where you sign up to do a meet. Fuck these guys. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So Alex thinks the USPA may maybe just be too dumb to realize yeah. where they're or, at. Or, you know, or we could get this whole all wrong. Maybe, maybe they're out there protesting and they just don't yeah. even know. You know, you know something. Media. If you happen to know somebody who is in, uh, you know, a high position of power in the USPA, maybe just shoot them an email and just let right. them know that there's a petition going. Yeah. You know, maybe they don't know. Yeah, because there's a lot of like Instagram accounts for USPA Connecticut, like USPA. Yeah, Hampshire, something you notice. Yeah, you know, and like I haven't really seen like the major USPA one. Like maybe these guys are just out of touch they with don't have social a, media. I don't, I don't know that. if there is one. Yeah. So like they just might be literally. Well, hit clueless. us up for Arizona missions if there's like a USPA social media presence that we're missing out. Presence that we're missing out on. That's not the state accounts. Let us know. Yeah, but I mean, with the USAPL, we got an email from Larry on the yeah. stance and. You know, I'd, I'd imagine that the USPA, if they were well, making a statement, would probably send an email. We can talk about well. that real quick. And, like, I, you know, <clears throat> I probably seem like someone who, who's always defending USAPL. But, you know, they were a few days late, let's be honest, to make a statement. But they also did wait till June 1st to put the, you know, the message in the newsletter, yeah. which the letter always comes out in the first to all members. So, like, I almost was giving them a pass, but people were kind of mad that they waited, I, like, you know, five, six days after the protest really started. So I saw that in the comment section of, you know, the Blackout Tuesday post, you know, but I, I, me just knowing USAPL leadership personally. Yeah, I don't. And like the way we just regard our champions and all the different people that lift in our federation. I've never sensed uh, racial bias in um, USAPL. Yeah, and it was a very like well thought out, like well written email. It takes some time to do that and they have to. Yeah, but let's put it that way. Yeah. USAPL put out something, and they, they even caught some flack. USPA is still hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> hanging out. So. Speaking of coming in a couple of days late, Joe, are there any other uh, companies that came in a few days late oh, that you want to talk man. about? Well, yeah, I think so. I mean, this one, I was kind of, like, surprised to see all this go down. And, like, so I saw LS, McLean. You know, I think if, you look, if you're a powerlifter, you probably know who he is. He's a classic world champion open world champion he's um, m1 now could win master worlds if he wants still competes at the open level he's a 93 kilo lifter he's pretty popular because he's got a great personality he sells some cool apparel um and puts a lot of stuff on social media and he's just always com- he's had to compete against dave ricks jesse norris like lane norton all these 93 lifters have come through and he's been, just been super consistent for a long time ended up winning two world championships actually um so people love him. He's a great lifter. Um, he put out a message, a live video. It's pretty long. He was really upset that a company he, you know, cares about was not putting out a statement, not contributing to any 
causes on this and you know basically it was based around using people of color to sell their products like their you know their poster boys ray williams you know so the company is sbd apparel so mm-hmm. i just thought it was funny that um he put a video out in the morning maybe it was friday this week i can't remember what day and then by friday night there was like a quick little instagram post by sbd and sbd usa a little bit of a cop out people loved it people were going to eat sbd's shit up you know oh thank you this is great and i kind of it's like well i guess better late than never but i don't know i i i hope ellis isn't just going to give them a pass because obviously they saw how upset he was and they put together something really quick i mean so take the money you were gonna pay to people in sheffield and maybe throw that in a in a, in a rightful place but uh i thought that was interesting mm-hmm. you know so other powerlifting gear companies making the news. <laughs> yeah, we're just going one after yeah, another. We figured <laughs> this is like, you know, it's important current events. So we're just going to keep it going. Yeah. So metal, metal gear. Um, the a founder of metal. The founder, yeah. Ano Turkanian. Turkanian. Turkanian, right? He's a, he's a member of the Finnish parliament, parliament group. It's a right-wing parliament group and he's known to make some outlandish or maybe racist statements in the past but he's catching flack a lot of flack for a tweet that he made that was a meme it was like very distasteful it was a meme of the death of george Floyd, yeah it was, was it obviously was, like it was really no flies up. Up. yeah yeah I mean, it like, was it was uh it was like a, a picture of george floyd the image that we have all seen but colored pink and said pink floyd it was pretty fucking yeah. disgusting. And the caption and, and finish, we we took the time the, to yeah, translate. Yeah, the Google Translate. Yeah. So the it was Google a, screen, it was a uh, screenshot and then of a deleted tweet. So we couldn't like copy and paste this into Google Translate. <laughs> so we had to like type it out. And then I had to like copy the double dot. I don't even know how to do the double dot. So we copied and pasted it. Because the original meaning that translated out was really, yeah. it didn't make any sense. It, it didn't but, make any sense. But we've got the, the legit translation now. Yeah. So what he, his comment underneath that was... Have you noticed the closer you are to equality in welfare areas, the more brawls there are? So, I, I'm like, there's a, some sort of language barrier there, but I think he's saying like something's lost in translation, but you, we think we know. It's basically like he's saying, like, the closer there's equality of like different different races, like the more we're gonna have trouble, like the more that there's fighting. So that like things should probably be unequal is what he's inferring, right? There should yeah. be a class system. Yeah, which yeah. I think is, is sort of fuck? that beyond, makes it even worse. Yeah, beyond disgusting, uh, in my opinion. And yeah. I think that uh you know, obviously um companies like Elite FTS are deciding to discontinue their products, yeah. which I think is definitely um yeah, Elite FTS was their pipeline into like the US marketplace and because um, they all their products are made in Finland and uh you know, me being having so much experience in sport, I remember when Anno Tertanian was famous globally for just being a, a good lifter. No one knew about his politics. It was actually a great story. This guy started an equipment company at the same time as also becoming one of the best multiply lifters in the world. And this is at the time where WPO was running big money meets. Andy Bolton was lifting, Chuck Vogelpaul, um, Chuck Fought, all these huge guys. Huge deadlifters. Ano's specifically known for pulling over 900 pounds conventional, which is in any era of powerlifting is super impressive, right? So 
you know, I've always, I always used to be a fan and I used to try to buy Metal Gear. And, th and then even in the past, before 2012, or maybe 2000, I don't know what year the, the, the approved equipment fees went up, but yeah, basically it was 2015. Yeah. So metal used to be really popular in the IPF for their wraps. Their wraps had crazy rebound. The Russian lifters love their wraps. Um, Norwegian lifters love their wraps and, and Luis actually love their wraps. Yeah. The metal. We had wraps, a bunch yeah. of stuff, the black twos, but well, that was APT too. That was crazy. So yeah, those wraps were crazy. And the deadlift suits were super popular. Everybody had one. I mean, some of the, all the best deadlifts in the world wore metal deadlift suit. They were just cut differently. The material was different than the stuff that Titan and Israel were making. Cause they get the material from the same place. They were just different. Right. So, I mean, they had a good little thing going. So I don't know. It's just, it's just unfortunate to learn more about the guy. I have the shoes like, and I'm probably either not going to wear them or just cut all the logos off. I mean, I already, I bought them years ago. I'm never going to mm -hmm. support them financially again. <clears throat> um, but yeah, it yeah. just, yeah, I bought, I bought some slippers that f they were actually rogue was selling them. So I yeah. haven't seen, I haven't seen if rogue made a statement, but I know elite FTS, Dave Tate was like immediately, you know, we're done with metal. We're just, oh, yeah. well, well to yeah. finish the thought, sorry, they, they, they basically after the equipped equipment approval fees in the IPF went up, metal basically tried to ban ban Inzer and Titan together to basically say like, none of us are paying it. So if we're not going to pay you, who is, you know, and Inzer and Titan decided to pay and still be part of the IPF. And, you know, our feelings on the equipment fees, like we'd have to do research, but it is crazy. It is a lot puts a strain on those two companies that make single ply equipment, but basically metals out of that single ply mm -hmm. market, but they're always been huge in the double <laughs> ply market. And that's why elite FTS sells their stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. kind of the point I was trying to get to. Yeah. yeah. So basically what they did effectively is remove all metal products from the U S because no one else is distributing it besides elite FTS. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they sold a lot of metal stuff over the years. Oh, for sure. They, yeah. yeah. They were pretty much the only place you can get it. And like, have a range of sizes and stuff so yeah so then after this after this ban was announced i think there was a statement by metal maybe it was an email claiming that maybe ano had sold the business but no one knew and this is unfortunate for metal and we're not associated with him something yeah. to that effect yeah so i i got that i saw obviously the usapl everybody everybody banned metal equipment yeah. um and then metal who who Apparently, the owners said what Alex just said. We're not affiliated with Ano. We bought this business and, you know, yeah. six years ago. We whatever. didn't tell anybody that he wasn't involved because we wanted to keep the name. Like, yeah. it didn't make a lot of sense. So I posted that like, oh, maybe I'll just still wear my shoes. You know, I, I posted the first thing. I need new shoes. I posted the second thing. Oh, maybe I can still wear these shoes if these are just different Finnish people that bought metal. And then someone from Finland actually messaged me. And this is great. Someone always messages us. Yeah. And he said... Basically, Ano at least still owns the place and the, the part of the business that's the manufacturing. Um, this gentleman's name, <laughs> Philip C., Clumsy Hawk. He's a European lifter. I follow him. I Really, all I know is Philip C., my bad. Hit me up with your real name, credentials. We'll give you a shout-out. But um, he lives in Scandinavia. I can tell that. And uh, he basically gave me the 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 real information that Anno owns a manufacturing facility that's made. So maybe he sold a portion of the business or mm -hmm. 
equity in the business, but um, to put out that he's not affiliated with metal anymore is, is a lie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yep. stick to your guns. Yep. Don't wear the metal stuff. Show them with your wallet. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what we we're talking about with powerlifting federations, you know. So, again, if you're using uh, powerlifting gear, just show them with your wallet that you don't support them. Yeah. Buy some Titan stuff or some Mins or stuff. Yeah, they're even, uh, even on the... Um, even still currently their wraps shoes deadlift slippers deadlift socks singlets are still really popular the stuff costs money you know spd makes their entire success off singlets knee sleeves and wrist wraps and belts so don't you know don't think it's a small thing to not buy a pair of metal socks or or throw away your metal socks it's a big statement just do it everybody do it together Mm -hmm. yeah and i guess the last one on the list but i'm sure not the only one uh, one of the biggest names in strength, I guess we can call it strength sports. CrossFit. Yeah, it is. yeah. there's a lot of C- crossover. So uh, what's the guy's name? Glassman. Greg Glassman. Greg yeah. Glassman. I think this guy, he's the CEO of CrossFit. He's been known to be a little bit more controversial in his public statements, um, but he's he's catching a lot of heat for a comment he made on uh, on a post about um, basically the the inequality being a a national, uh, health, national issue? health issue, I believe yeah. it was. So yeah. let's let's just look at it right here. Public health have, issue. Yeah, Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation posted just a a message saying racism is a public health issue, and then he's posted it's Floyd nineteen, and um, you know people, you shouldn't be making parody of this situation. I guess, you know, not I guess, but that's that's been the yeah. I mean, backlash I don't, on him. I don't really get it it's definitely dis- i don't even get the joke dis- it's definitely distasteful just to it's not funny and it's distasteful it's definitely distasteful i don't yeah. know like this is a really huge backlash there's a like every like i think rogue is disassociating yeah. they're changing they're not saying the name the rogue invitational has removed the crossfit logo yeah they're gonna support the 2020 crossfit games for the athletes but they said they not without a conversation before how everything is branded but yeah. but then again, I don't think these. I, I think um, the CrossFit Games maybe may go on, but they're not going to get the viewership they are because all the huge athletes are pulling out. Like oh, so, I, like yeah. I don't go through everybody. I saw Jason Kalipa, who yeah. I follow because he's like one of the bigger jacked CrossFitters. Rich Froning, obviously, Froning. who's a fucking legend. Oh, so he's, they're all pulling out and yeah, refusing to compete games. in the games. So like, wow. Are, is anybody going to watch that? I'm sure like Elizabeth Akinwali is not going to do it. She's awesome. Sounds like a good opportunity to start up a new. <laughs> start up a new. Fed. <laughs> yeah, a new CrossFit Fed. fit Yeah. Um, I mean, that that's huge. Uh, I uh, feel CrossFit's like with this. kind of screwed. I mean, I feel like this guy's always been a douchebag. And yeah. like, I mean, the dude who like usually runs the workouts and writes the workouts. What was that guy's name? He was definitely a douchebag. Yeah, <laughs> I, I always feel like the guys who are doing who are doing CrossFit uh, workouts and stuff they just come off kind of fraudulent. No, numbers. I mean I I think CrossFit's a cool thing. It's a good idea and everything. I'm not gonna hate on the entire community, but oh, definitely not, Dave. No, definitely not. <clears throat> I mean, I'm talking about some of these guys. Dave Castro. Who, Dave Castro. Yeah, there you go. You so got these the guy. two guys have always seemed kind of like douchebags. And it's like I think I'm not saying people are using using it as an excuse, but like if realizing they're kind of racist piece of shit is like a, a good way to just like cancel the fuck out of them and have the entire community move on. Like, yeah, take the opportunity. I feel like they've all been part of this cult and letting them slide with shit for mm-hmm. a long time. And now it's finally like, okay, we don't need to let slide anymore. Let's make our move because 
I feel like it's been that way for a while. Yeah, it kind of seems like that because, I mean, in all honesty, I don't know if I'm going to get backlash for this, but I don't know if this is his comment is. I, I don't know if there's. I don't, I'm not fully educated on the whole thing. Well, so like, like, I don't want to speak out of place without knowing. I think all the, the context is like if you know the guy, you're like, oh, wow, he's an asshole. But us having no context, we're like, he said it's Floyd 19. That could be like a memer trying to make a joke and it doesn't land. Yeah, or maybe but except he's the CEO of CrossFit, yeah. you really probably shouldn't be getting in this. Yeah, you probably at shouldn't all. be making jokes yeah. about this, <laughs> like, pretty serious Yeah, topic, and I think also, but, like, he ripped, he ripped, uh, you know, basically yeah. a CrossFit box owner, one of the oldest. You know, I guess one of their like OG boxes and like been really associated with the brand. I, I won't even try to get into who it is or whatever, but you know, this woman who owns this box and has been affili- affiliated with CrossFit for at least a decade or more emailed Greg Glassman or somebody who works for Greg Glassman with concerns about their lack of action on, you know, our this so- social justice issue that we're facing in America. And then, you know, saying they, They've been shut down. They're probably going to disaffiliate with the brand over, you know, not only inaction on race equality, but making jokes over COVID-19 and stuff like that. So there was a meme posted that basically said, like, you know, sucks. We can't go to the the CrossFit box because some dude decided to eat a bat halfway across the world. And people thought that was insensitive. So anyway, he just maybe I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with the girl and the woman, um, but his response was really horrible. Yeah. Super unprofessional. Basically said like, "You're a piece of shit." <clears throat> See you later, lady. And like, a million people were cc'd. So like, obviously it's gonna get on the internet. This guy's kind of an idiot. Yeah, he's an idiot. Sounds like a douche. But yeah, but like I like you know me and Alex were talking about this. Like we kind of like the memes about bat soup. Like yeah, I mean so <laughs> I don't as long as they're funny and they I don't, don't think it's really like <laughs> racist. I, I'm Asian American. I'm, I wasn't offended by it. I mean, literally, like, in the news, there were, you know, reports and articles about how the coronaviruses originate from, like, animals like bats and snakes and, like, that anteater-looking thing, whatever that thing was. So, like, there's memes about people eating bats, and it's kind Let's of... Let's just say, it's like, when, when we were in Hong Kong and we saw, we <laughs> saw your family in, in uh, Busan, we ate some of the weirdest shit. We probably ate yeah. some animals we shouldn't have ate. So, like... You know, I, I think we, we realize that the, the culture there, it's it's like, it's fun. It's crazy. Yeah. At we same, did it. At the same time. Yeah. Like, I think there's some hypersensitivity. Yeah. De- definitely a lot of hypersensitivity going on. Yeah. There, there was nothing but, about this being like a Chinese thing or Chinese virus. It was just about a bat. But I mean, I guess there's multiple things happening over a long period yeah. of time. No one likes this guy. See you yeah. Later. Once, once it starts, it. you know, piling up, I think yeah. uh, the body of work starts to tip over the edge kind of the thing. The body of work. Yeah. So CrossFit's in, in some hot water. Yeah. So we wanted to hit on all those things just because, you know, it's important right now. But, um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Enough. Enough. Enough uh, of current yeah, events. We're trying to wrap politics. it up. <laughs> oh, we're not wrapping it up necessarily. Well, maybe wrapped up that segment. I mean, we're going to talk about gear, so maybe it, you know, we are going to wrap it up. Oh, we're oh, going to yeah. wrap it up. <laughs> so we've got a new segment this week. We're trying always trying to think of fun stuff to talk about, things that might be interesting or entertaining. And being the Spicy PL podcast, we should talk about PL a little bit. So this new segment is called Gear Talk. Gear talk you know it was coming yeah and gear you know when we, we mean gear not <laughs> equipment gear. yeah stuff that you put on your body not in, in your body yeah. there you go not oil 
<laughs> All right. So in gear talk this week, we're going to be talking about carryover. So carryovers, how much, how much extra poundage do you get from putting on gear as opposed to raw? And we think there's a lot of factors that we're trying to, we're going to try to bullet it out for you and see, you know, how, how they work and what percentage we think they contribute to the total amount of carryover. Yeah, we're trying you get. to bring some certainty to the uncertain mystery of gear carryover. carryover. Like the most classic powerlifting question to me is how much does he get out of that or how much can he do raw? And yeah. so, and, or like, would my bench be X if I put it on a shirt tomorrow? That's like very prevalent question everywhere you go, especially being equipped lifter for so long. It's just, it's a common theme. It's every day. So we're each going to talk a little bit about a factor. We've identified some factors and I've always had this theory about the length of levers and lifters. Yeah. Um, you know, so you have a longer lever or you have longer legs. People talk about, Oh damn, I have long femurs. That's why my squat sucks. Well, if you have a long lever and you put, you know, a point force at the other end, you, you create a greater moment and, um, basically a greater reactive force. So I've always felt longer lifters got more carry over than shorter lifters. So like someone like myself where I've squatted, you know, 700 pounds raw around, Mm-hmm. We'll just call it 700. Let's call it 700. And I squatted over a thousand in equipment. And if anybody's ever seen my equipment, it's not super tight. It goes on and off. And, uh, you know, I get a tight wrap from peach, but I don't do anything too extreme. Um, I also get, you know, when getting 300 pounds of carryover, I have to go through a, a long cycle of conditioning my body to handle heavier weights. It's, it's a very linear progression that we do. Um, because, there's, there's only a short period of time that I can actually handle the weight I'm doing in competition. Um, but you know, I, I've always, I'm a six, two, which is tall for a powerlifter. And I've, I've always had longer arms and legs and been on the more athletic side than like, you know, short stocky side. So I've always just been able to get this carryover. and there's other examples, but obviously I use myself, but on the flip side, the raw division, classic division nationally and globally, I feel is dominated by shorter lifters. Mm-hmm. Shorter lifters have shorter levers. Um, they're more powerful in the static movements. You know, not to say it's easier, but you know they they're more compact. Their technique's more compact. Um, they're moving the bar a shorter distance. You know, the same muscle will move will move will create more force. At the yeah, end. their muscle bellies are thicker. There, there's a lot of factors that we won't get into. But if you look at the people who win nationals and worlds year after year, the greats, they're usually short for their size powerlifters over six feet tall you know you have to make a decision you're going to be a super heavyweight as a man um and you know maybe you should probably think about lifting gear if you me standing next to ray williams i'm probably four inches taller than him he's you know way stronger he's actually heavier than me he's just built to to crush weights um raw champions like taylor atwood sergey fedesenko russ Russell or he, um, they're great, but you know, it's, it's beautiful art watching them move weights, but they've reduced their ROMs and perfected that strength curve. And that's, that's how it is. It's very hard for a taller lifter to break into that realm win classic worlds yeah. say, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting point about carryover the levers that you don't hear people talk about too much. Um, 
but I think it makes a lot of sense. You can push into, especially the squat with longer femurs and yeah. compress the gear. And, and take, take and, an example like Brett Gibbs, when he did lift equipped, he had a lot of trouble getting carryover um, in a bench shirt. And he had a decent squat, but you know maybe 150 pounds of carryover versus someone. There's people out there getting 300 pounds. I mean, yeah. I, just for myself, I, you know, I lifted in the 83 class. I got over 200 pounds out of my squat suit, and I'm not very strong. Yeah, and I think I think uh, like Sergey Fedosenko, you know, he's so strong raw that he also has the equipped world record, but he's not getting crazy carryover, especially as a smaller guy. Yeah. I mean, that's something we'll talk about later. Like the bigger you are, the the more and the bigger your lifts are, everything in my mind carryover is percentage based. Yeah. So if you're a fifty nine kilo lifter and your max squat's five hundred, if you're gonna get fifty percent, meaning squat seven fifty, I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not possible for Sergey, but fifty percent is possible for bigger lifters. But I, I think, you know, there's there's so many factors. But that's what I want to talk about. I think a lot of the sh- the shorter lifters, they're always going to side with raw and say raw is this, raw is that. Because when they try gear, it's not going to go well because they're not able to create a huge reactive force over their levers. And it's actually like some guys put the stuff on and just don't get a lot of carryover. It's just like, why am I wearing this thing? Yeah, and, and like you said, a lot of lifters that are, they complain about not being on a level playing field or gear not being on a level playing field. But this kind of makes it even out a little bit yeah. because the shorter lifters have a little bit more of that compact raw power and the leverage always, advantage yeah. raw, but then the gear helps maybe helps people with longer yeah. levers. So it kind of evens. the. I have field. always believed that gear levels the playing field. Um, everybody has the same stuff now, you know, back in the day, that was the thing. Well, this guy doesn't have these wraps and this guy, everybody has the same stuff. I, I think it, it does level it as like a guy who's six, four has an opportunity to make it through the squats without getting completely decimated by a guy like Ray Williams, you know, like, mm-hmm. so I, I, I think it, it makes it more fun. If you watch equip meets, it's way harder, even at the international level to predict who's going to win. And there's so many close races because there's so many different factors and everybody's so even pushing like literally to the brink of human yeah. performance where, you know, you could go 15 for 15 trying to guess the winners of classic worlds. Pretty easy. Yeah. I've done yeah. it before. That's so. kind of one of the most boring things to me about watching Raw Worlds is you kind of know who's going to win. Within maybe there's a couple of weight classes that are close. Yeah, you're watching that. for amazing lifts, but you're not watching for a good competition. Right. Most yeah. of the times. That's why everybody's like, oh my God, the 84 kilo girls. Like, yeah, that's literally one class where maybe someone, there's two or two people that could win it. Yeah. But you go to Equip Worlds, there's four, there's four dudes in the 83s Crazy. trying to win. Well, this past year, was it the, was it the 105s or the 120s that were? I want to say it was the 105s. The 105s, 105s. are always crazy. It so. was just, it was just not, there was like so many, bu- the 120s. It was like the, it was like the top, like three guys bombed out yeah. or something. Yeah. Well, so we talked a little bit about Sergei Fedosenko and the guy is pretty shredded. And I think oh, yeah. how shredded you are definitely makes, or not shredded, definitely makes a big factor in how much carryover you get. Um, when I was a little bit more shredded, I definitely didn't get as much carryover out of the bench shirt now as, as, as I now. do in, as I yeah. do now. Uh, I think you know so you're having, talking about fluff factor. The fluff factor. Yeah, you definitely need some fluff. 
I think the fat kind of compresses and creates some sort of stored kinetic, like elastic Bruce potential. <laughs> yeah. You want to become the, the bench shirt. My body becomes the bench yeah, shirt. Yeah. You want your fat to become one with the bench shirt. <laughs> yeah. Be the fat. I mean, we have a lot of examples for this one, right? So, a ton of it. Well, a lot of the shredded guys don't get much carryover at all out of their gear. Like Dennis Cherry. Dennis Cherry's one of the best benchers to ever live. Yeah. Uh, 93 kilos he's benching the low 500s classic and he's benched 600 plus a few times uh equipped he's won multiple ipf worlds um pretty much only known for the bench but he basically has a bodybuilder's physique um at 93 so he just looks like a freaky strong dude he's not big and fat like a, a good super heavyweight powerlifter. he's just he's a bodybuilder mm-hmm. who found this talent specifically for the bench press um and he's opened at meets raw in the low fives, gone straight to 600, which is minimal carryover if you're trying to get 80 pounds out of a bench shirt and just got fucking plastered with 600. I saw it live many times. I saw it on live streams of Worlds. He's just never been able to figure out the bench shirt. But when you have pro- like, you know, pronounced bicep peaks, mm-hmm. I think that ruins it, the it way sucks. the shirt, the way the sleeves are supposed to fit. You're the only it's, one here who may have felt this phenomena yeah it's actually awful you don't want big arms you want like flabby arms for a bench shirt you want small flabby arms like having large arms kind of prevents the shirt from really stretching over that area and and like using that elastic part of the shirt and it also fucking hurts unless you have a custom shirt yeah and there's just there's been some and the bench shirt's a great example because the upper body is where you can really notice like this guy's lean this guy's not right so like on the flip side, there's a German bencher, Kevin Jaeger, who, if you don't know him, look him up. It's Jaeger, as in how you'd spell Jaegermeister. But, he, you know, he's benched 881 pounds at super heavyweight uh, as a, like, 23-year-old, maybe younger. Um, you know, was one of the young talents in the sport. I think he's taking some time off right now. But, um, you know, obviously a strong guy. I think he benched low fours raw, but he's basically doubling that. So he's getting 100% carryover, which is goals. Outrageous. But, you know, imagine. the rumor, you know, when he came on the scene, everybody's like, you know, and me too. I'm messaging people, what size shirt is this motherfucker wearing? I need to know. Is it the way he wears his shirt or is it how tight he wears his shirt? Because there's a difference. There's a lot of lifters that believe you wear a loose shirt and you wear it a certain way. Or there's a lot of lifters, like some of us here, who <laughs> just yeah. think tight is right. Tight is right. <laughs> no, I mean, the amount of surface area you get out of a big shirt, you're getting more himself. stretch. You're getting more yeah. stretch. At 280 pounds, he squeezed himself into a shirt that fits like a 200-pound uh, lifter or or even lighter. He squeezed himself into a 42 Katana. And Which is insane. It looks I, fucking what? ridiculous. He could hardly, you know, you think I have trouble touching meats. He really did. But when he hit one right, it was fucking sweet. And he was just a fluffy, not to not to hate on Kevin. I I think he, you know, obviously like I've been interested in his lifting for a long time. He's a fluffy guy. I got to call him like I see it. He's, he's very fluffy. Yeah. And some of the greatest, you know, if you look at Frederick Smolter, the first guy to bench 400 kilos ever in the IPF, he just looks like a bag of shit. But he's yeah. one of the strongest arm wrestlers in the world. He's just one of the strongest bench pressers in the world. Um, yeah, he made history, but he, he was a fat guy. He, yeah. he he became one with the shirt. 
Yeah, I guess either, it's like clay. <laughs> either way, if we call out people on one end of the spectrum or the opposite, we're kind of shitting okay, on yeah, them. Okay, yeah, you're but either like, shredded, you look great, but you suck, <laughs> or you look like shit and you bench a lot. But we're not necessarily <laughs> saying you suck. Like, these guys are studs. Like, all right, another guy, you know, Charles Acapulco, he's yeah. shredded. He's he's posting bodybuilding, posing. Stage ready, he's, 24-7. The guy's a stud, and he's he's super strong, raw. He's won two IPF Open. I'm sorry, two IPF Classic Worlds, and uh, he's he came to, in second at World Open Games. Worlds and third at World Games. World Games. He was sitting in second, pretty, and Hassan El snuck up on him with a huge deadlift. So the the guy is absolute savage, raw and equipped. But yeah, the amount that he the carryover he gets because he's a smaller guy and he's shredded. It's not a lot. It's not that much. You know he. I mean, unfortunately, he, he, he was destined to get second at the World Games in 2017 because he was in the super class where Fedesenko was. So it was 59 and 66. So he had to compete against him, but he should have beat Hassan al But unfortunately, Hassan, Hassan al is a, a world record deadlifter from France, and uh, that snuck up on Charles. So I don't think he was ever going to beat Fedesenko. Charles one of my favorite lifters. He knows that. When the last time I saw him lift, I, I kissed him on the face. Like yeah. I, I love Charles. I saw the warm up room back in the Arnold. You guys were playing grabby ass. Yeah, like, Alex was actually mad at me because I couldn't focus on my own meat because I was watching Charles warm up. Yeah, anyway. you were looking at his ass. So that's why Alex was. I upset. mean, yeah, I'm I was just, jealous. He's so strong, raw that, <laughs> and he wears loose gear. I think he has a passion for equip lifting because the way he came into the sport with uh, at University of Texas meeting Preston Turner, Ian Bell, Gene Bell's helping them out. He wore Preston Turner's gear. That's Preston's, insane. Preston's 275 pounds and didn't wear tight stuff. And um, Charles was, you know, 148 pounds. And Charles never really wear, tried to wear tight gear. He guess what he gets. He squats six raw, seven equipped. That's yeah. not a lot of carryover. Yeah, shout out Preston Turner, one of the best benchers in, of the United States. One of them. Best hair, best, best hair, looking guys. Best looking. One of the nicest, humblest dudes. But how much carryover did he get? I mean, Preston was an absolute freak, but he, you know, he was never bodybuilding shredded at 275. He, he was a muscular guy, but kind of like we're muscular now, like yeah. we're muscular, but we also eat a shit ton. So we look like shit, but he benched mid fives raw at his height, you know, and he benched, you know, 750 equipped. So that's, that's decent. Decent amount. That's yeah. Decent. And he didn't wear tight stuff. Mm-hmm. He, if you watched him bench equipped, I was like, come on, dude. Like it just fucking comes down so easy. You should be struggling to touch your opener. Um, he would yeah. have benched over 800. He could have gotten way more. Yeah, he decided definitely. to go to the Olympic lifting program, crossover yeah. program between USABL. But that's how talented he was. He got yeah. handpicked to try and uh, lift for you know um, USA weightlifting. Yeah, absolute unit. Unit. Anyway, yeah. back to Charles. Yeah, his, his raw numbers pretty much gave him the strength to be competitive equipped. Yeah. And that's kind of the story with him. Yeah, so I guess we're saying there's your levers, there's body fat, you know, how the fluffy factor, but then peachy, there's something else. that's a little bit harder to quantify. You got to have, you might a need a scale, big old pair of balls. <laughs> and the reason why is because not only do you have to take out weights that you definitely couldn't lift without the equipment on. Okay. That's only a, a small portion of it. Okay. But the bench shirt, when you're bringing it down, it hurts like hell. And I know that, you know, there's a lot of lifters who the men's shirt makes them so uncomfortable that they, like, dread even touching their chest in training because of how much it's going to hurt. You know, squat suit, the knee wraps hurt so bad while you're getting wrapped, and they hurt while you're going down with the squat, and the squat suit hurts, 
And when you unrack the bar out of a out of a squat rack, if your straps are tight, you're gonna start seeing blurry blurry rooms. Okay, mm-hmm. it makes you pass out. Oh yeah. So, will making yourself willing to get your knees wrapped, have your suit super tight, get under the bar, feel like you're gonna die, walk out a weight that's way too heavy for you, and then try and squat it, that requires balls. And I think that some people are just more comfortable with wearing looser gear and wearing looser wraps and getting less carryover because it's more comfortable. Or, or not to wear gear at all. Or not yeah. wear gear at all. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, when you've got... <laughs> which which <laughs> I love Spicy's memes about knee owies and like <laughs> how we're just super terrible to ourselves. Yeah. I have owie <laughs> knees, but they feel better when I wrap them up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, when, the tighter you wear your gear, the more on the on the limit you are the more on the edge the more the more danger there is with a slip up the, if it's looser yeah. you have more you've got more tolerance for error really to me it's like you're you're going through this this event right and there's pain happening and there's pain happening all over your body not only in your head in your mind you're 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 like in outer space. You can't hear or see anything, but then you're also ha- experiencing physical pain yeah. in your joints on your skin. Um, so there's all these things going on. And it, if you're brave enough to demonstrate or take control and control the bar in, you know, your technique, your bar path, you can maximize your carryover. If you, if you have the personality that would run into the burning building to achieve something, then you would, probably have the personality to keep going into this painful situation deeper and deeper, right? It's just getting worse and worse. Um, if you're the type of personality who you feel pain and you move the other way, or you see a fire and you move the other way, which is a fine reaction, depending on, you know, who you are, um, you're probably not built to, to do that. And I think, you know, I just think the, the personalities and the people who Balls. who succeed in raw, you can tell they're not the type of people who <laughs> are going to run into the burning building. I'm just, you know, just is what it is. There's a, there's a type of people who wear singlets in the gym. So that's all you have to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what Peachy's getting at is the mental game. And I think that mental game can make a difference in hundreds of pounds on your total. Yeah. I mean, one of the big things is, is sometimes, you know, um, I, you know, I would coach some kids at URI because I was at URI for a while, lifted for URI powerlifting. And a lot of these kids are new to gear and they would say, you know, do you think I can do X amount? Or do you think I can, like, one thing is like the kids all bench about between 225 and 275. And they're like, can I get 315 yeah, bench or 405, yeah. right? And I'm just like, you have a fucking shirt on. You can do anything. You know? <laughs> like, you have to have you the mentality of, you know, I have this shirt on. And I can load anything on there and it's possible for me to get it, you know, and that's something that, you know, maybe that's, you know, one thing that newer lifters, uh, you know, when they first get into gear, they don't realize that, okay, I need to shut off my expectations of what I'm going to be able to accomplish in the gear and just do as much as I can do. Yeah. I think one other thing is kind of related to the, the balls factor, but it's like your body awareness, you know, if you have that courage and you're also super aware of, what your body's doing and how to move, you're, you're more likely to succeed in gear. Some people just don't have that body awareness. They don't know where their joints are. They don't know how they're stacking their joints when they're in a squat suit or in a bench shirt and bad things happen. 
and you can't some maybe some i mean it's a segue into the next thing but maybe sometimes you can't train that to somebody to be aware of their body yeah. you know so i think a lot of successful former athletes like actual athletes would be successful in gear if they you know have hand-eye coordination and certain speed and certain you know ranges and directions that they have this body awareness and that they've been trained to do that their whole lives i i think that's a prerequisite for success and equipment yeah so we got balls it's kind, <laughs> and it's kind of like in the mental game and i think the last thing we wanted to talk about was also kind of a mental thing but it's experience well training experience confidence training experience in the gear um and I think the training experience also is like the training methodology, like, right. Like you have to train a specific way for gear too, to get the most out of your, you know, most yeah. out of your gear. Cause you're hitting different ranges, different ends of the range of motion and lockout work. Well, I, and, I think if like people, if they have the mental fortitude to get over the, you know, sure disappointment of their first ever gear training session that they didn't get 200 pounds out of it. Then the next question is, well, how long does it take if I train, this way and or in this piece of equipment how long does it take until i start getting x amount and you know my opinion on that is it could take a while but i think there has to be some immediate sense of achievement or gratification or success in the equipment to know that you're going to be successful in equipment so like for me i put on big mike's gear 12 years ago and it was obviously too big, but I was probably bench 365 raw when I was 19 and I put on his loose rage X and I did a 500 pound bench and I had no idea what I was doing. So I think that carryover is already, it's already considered good. And I didn't, I never trained for this. I never did band work. I never did speed work. I never did board work. So there was something that I realized I can demonstrate control in this thing. I like the feeling I'm going to keep doing it. So, I mean, I, I don't know what you guys think about training experience or what your yeah. experience has been, but I was took to it right away. And the tighter I wore the stuff, the better it got. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I had a similar experience. I started in 2012 and I benched like 315. And then within like a year or so, I was benching like low four. Yeah. So I, decent carryover, not great. But I was also more shredded too. Yeah, that's, you didn't know how bad that was. But now, being fluffy, I think I get... A lot more closer to 50%. Closer to 50%, right? Like my raw bench, like low four, 415. You should be benching over six. I should be. I mean, (laughs) I'm hitting, I'm hitting some easy two boards in the high fives. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, after I did my first equipped powerlifting meet, that I was all all set with raw, you know? I, (laughs) oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think I squatted um, like 530 or so benched about 400 pounds and uh deadlifted around 500 pounds and my best raw lifts were significantly lower than that so i was like you you had a knack for it yeah i was like you know something i'm gonna keep doing this and uh now i'm you know focusing a little bit more on the bench but you know that's been going yeah you know i i tend to be brutally honest with people like i've i've seen people who bench 315 they put on a bench shirt and they bench 315 and i'm like there's nothing we could do that you're going to bench 500. Maybe you can bench 375 in a few months, but you know, there has to be some immediate success in the gear. If, if you're going to be one of the top, maybe you're, you're just enjoying gear lifting. And a lot of times it's like, okay, and we use the bench a lot as the example, but 
you know, you might be Brad Gillingham and get carryover on your squat and your deadlift, but you know, maybe he benched 545 raw and benched like 585 in gear. It's not great carryover for super heavyweight, but sometimes there's one lift that's being sacrificed. We all know for the other two lifts. So it, it, it's a mixed bag, really. I don't think anybody's ever going to be bad at all three um, if they're seriously training and equipment. Yeah, so I guess, yeah, and if you're not getting, if you're benching 315 and then you put a shirt on, you're benching 315, it's probably way too loose. But if you say, oh, it's way too tight, then maybe that's the balls. The balls back there. Yeah, that's so no, the balls No factor. training experience can help you. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, because I mean, like, we know some lifters that don't get anything, but I think it's always like, oh, it hurts. I can't, you know. Uh, like, Yeah, we won't call out people. We won't call anybody out. And a lot of people will, like, turn the west side things or maybe, uh, you know, overload some movements, bands, chains, boards, partials. That stuff works to a degree. I mean, we've kind of pretty much phased it out of our training. Uh, you know, the bench will definitely mess around with bands, chains, and boards. The bench is a different animal, and that's... We're doing so much volume and frequency on the bench as compared to our lower body lifts. We add those variations in, but we don't do we don't do much for the other ones. We do some block deadlifts, yeah, but I won't even deadlifts, count. Yeah. You know, Westside was big on rack pulls, and I'm never doing a rack pull again. Oh, rack pulls! I can't <laughs> think of a bigger waste of time than rack. Pulls. Might as well just do shrugs out there. Yeah, they're good yeah. for your traps. <laughs> if you want to get yo. If you want to be like traps, like <laughs> mountains. Traps like mountains. <laughs> you want traps like mountains? So yeah. I mean, what would you say? carryover say you get x carryover pg what percent of that is balls i mean for me i think it's probably somewhere in the area of 50 percent yeah wow. we let yeah. pg lead off and eat the whole pie yeah i mean <laughs> if you want to talk about the other stuff i think that the levers well let's go with the next biggest piece for me is being fat i think being <laughs> fat <laughs> And the reason why is my personal experience with this when I weighed 180 pounds. It's not even personal. Is We've observed this as well. Yeah. So we have anecdotal, but also I think if we tabulated things in a spreadsheet, like we'd be able to back up our shit. Yeah, I think yeah. we could. Yeah, someone so, should run a tabulation of like estimated body fat versus K. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We need to run a study. We need, we need to write a peer-reviewed journal article on this. Yeah. And so I'd assign that probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 25%. Okay. And then I would give levers 15% and experience the last 10. Yeah. I'm with, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm with it with the experience being, because like we talked about lifters like Charles Acapulco or James Vang, like, you know, James Vang's another 66 lifters. These guys did their first equipped meets at a national championship and just won. Yeah. You know, like they just, they just wanted it. And that's like, because they probably had more ball. They had way more balls than experience. If you met either of those guys, they're crazy in two different, completely, two completely different ways. But, you know, probably all balls. I think the the levers do play a big factor. So I think levers, balls, and being fat are kind of equal. 30%. Maybe 30%. And then the experience a little bit less. Because it's like you get... You figure out how much carryover you get like in the first couple of years, and then after that, it's, it's yeah. I'm with I'm with you, Babel, because like there's some reciprocity between the three. Like if you're fat, then you realize like, oh shit, I'm getting all this carryover, and then so like you develop these big balls. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like yeah. you become confident. So it's like this circle between these things. You know yeah. that maybe, you know, like I'm like I get crazy carryover. I'm a shitty classic lifter. Um, and I happen to have long levers and fat and ha- and I'm a psychopath. 
<laughs> yeah, so, so like, when you add all those things together, I have the holy triumvirate of carryover. You know, yeah. I've never done. <laughs> Peachy is fat and then all balls. Yeah, that's right. Fat all <laughs> balls. It's a crazy Let's motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. You didn't take your fifth squad at Collegiate Nationals, and I, I, I protested for your fifth attempt. You that was insane. Yeah. I had to pass the fifth attempt. <laughs> she has some balls. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, the biggest balls moment for me was uh, hitting a bench in Bench Nationals to not bomb and actually take first place. That was, that was pretty balls. That was pretty sick. Yeah, that what was my favorite moment. What's, what's the moment where you're like, man, I had huge balls? I don't know, man. You don't have one? I don't have big balls. <laughs> you just swung them out? What? You don't remember when you just swung him out? Oh, I swung him out? Like a powerlifting moment where you're like, damn, I dominated that. I mean, it wasn't equipped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you squat two, 240 raw? Who cares? 235? Yeah, no one cares about that. Yeah. Crazy, man. You're crazy. I don't know. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a very decorated lifter, man. Yeah. Bombed out of collegiates. I guess my first collegiates was great because... I whooped Billy Peppicelli's veteran's oh my ass God. in, in my him. rookie season Got him. in gear. It was in my second, my second meet in gear ever. And uh, I had a fucking awesome meet. I think I, it was like eight for nine or nine for nine. I don't like remember, that. man. And then, yeah, I was like, that who, was sick. I, I blasted kids? onto the scene. No one knew who I was. And then I was like, who are these I made guys? a statement. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the biggest balls I ever showed was when everybody except Peach was trying to talk me out of going for a squat PR. Like I'm always hurt, continually hurt. I was I was had a locked in world team spot if I just like passed my third squat and went on and get a bench opener. Um, still haven't bombed out on deadlift. Knock on wood, it's gonna happen. But um, you know, loaded ten nineteen just because it was a PR and like it was like a it was a bonus attempt. Like let's take this bitch. You know, my second didn't look great, and we made a seventeen and a half kilo jump. That sounds about right. You know, even Luis, who's like one of the craziest motherfuckers alive and is always down to jump 30 keys or do something crazy it was like yeah dude don't take it don't take it didn't look good yeah i think i mean like that i was went sick. out and smoked the fuck out of it that was sick oh, yeah. that was at nationals this past year yeah in chicago but like how do you not say your biggest balls moment is fucking squatting in dubai with your hip blown uh, out well, because like, you were like yeah i didn't want to hurt even yourself lift. in the warm-up room you didn't even want to lift and then we like made you go i guess like you didn't want to but we made you all right so i i hurt my hip in the warmth room it's like a loud pop you know under my glute and uh i just was like okay i'll, I'll try to take my opener you're still and dealing then, with this injury to, to like, yeah today. you're actually, not squatting yeah like, i'm not squatting it's fucked up seven it. months later yeah so it's obviously a pretty bad injury i you know i'm stubborn i never got in imaging i was trying to rehab it on my own help of um dr kelsey and actually some light squatting that my coach was overseeing and it just, it just hasn't progressed like I thought it was. So I just stopped squatting completely. Point being, it was a Point serious b- injury yeah. that you were fucked up in the warm up room before you even took a lift. So I took my opener and it got, it popped again and I cut it high, but I smoked the fuck out of yeah, 430, 950. And I come off and I go, I'm done guys. This sucks. We flew halfway across the world. We just spent a week in Dubai. You know, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying I'm done. I can't go out again. So then, like, there's, like, you know, there's 10 minutes till your next attempt. You miss a lift. Your next attempt is just to miss your lift. You don't have to pass. So, you know, I'm sitting there for two minutes. I'm like, fuck it. Roll the wraps. <laughs> so go out there for my second attempt. I'm just so, so timid that I still squatted it high. But yeah, I you, like, the lost your balance or something. 
still yeah. smoked it. We're like, dude, you smoked it. Like, what's wrong with you? Just fucking squat. So then at that point, I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. That was this. I can't do it. I cannot perform this lift physically. And then, you know, same thing. Two minutes go by. I'm like thinking to myself, like, are you really this fucking soft, dude? Are you? Did Babel come all the way here to oversee how much ramen you ate for you to not even try? And so then I went out there and just smoked the fuck out of it. But yeah. It's like, it was a big balls moment, but it's also one of the worst moments of my powerlifting career. So I like try to block it out. Yeah, I know. But it was fucking balls. You went out there. It wakes me up in the middle of the night. Three attempts on a fucked up hip and, and it yeah. hit it on your third. I mean, that was sick to not bomb out. But. So yeah, well, we got in some personal stories, which is always fun. But um, yeah, man. Yeah, I guess that, that kind of concludes the, the quip gear talk section. I mean, there's nothing, nothing else we wanted to really talk about. Yeah, we're going to have way wanna, more. Yeah, we're gonna, on gear. We didn't want to, you know, ramble on too much about gear because there's there's plenty more we got to talk about. In talk about episodes. gear fit, you know. Yeah. Gear training, training cycles. We're gonna talk all, all about because we know all the millions and millions of equipped lifters out there. Just can't wait. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> spicy PL memes is out there. He's laughing at us. He's making memes about Joe. Trying to find yeah, him. I saw it as a weakness. Like he, he like he popped off, like snapped out three memes in a row. Like, get over me, dude. I think he's scared. Yeah, I think he knows about what I what I said is true. When I see him, I'll know. He's scared. Well, we think we think that one of the one of the comments on our YouTube is correct. We think he's not a native English speaker. At least, maybe English is not his first language. We've seen some grammatical errors, a couple slip ups. Some, some, some of the English, as Natalie Hansen would call it, Swedish English. So we, we, we think it's Scandinavian. Yeah. Let's just say that. We think Spicy might be Norwegian. There's some funny motherfuckers on the Norwegian national team. So I'm looking at all of you. Yeah. And if any of our listeners have any input on who you think Spicy PL memes is, please hit us up in the comments. Yeah. yeah. Any, any theories are welcome. He's also been posting a lot about uh, like training training mythology, coaching, you know, it might be a red herring to make us think he's a coach, but I think he may actually be a coach. So I think he's a non-native, non-native English speaking, somewhat of a powerlifting coach. So narrows it down, narrows it down a little bit. Well, and then if we're talking about people who like geared lifting it narrows it down a lot. Yeah. (laughs) So I think we've got a couple names. We've got a couple names that we, think are suspects but we're not gonna we're not gonna blow them up yet but yeah i think we're narrowing in closing in we're gonna do this every week so so watch what it is watch your ass boy (laughs) (laughs) or you get shit for this (laughs) all right all right well i think that does it for episode eight we hope you enjoyed it um yeah we do appreciate when you guys all reach out to us let us know what you liked if you liked it if you didn't like it let us know that too oh we got some we got uh, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but you did get some. <laughs> just throw it out. <laughs> we, uh, I don't even know. In our second episode, we were we were talking about, you know, uh, or maybe even our first episode, we were talking about Steve Mann, the most hated man powerlifting. We had some comments, some uh, some responses, and we we might have, you know, made some harsh remarks. Yeah, we made some harsh remarks about uh, um, meat directors in Colorado specifically Jen Gordreau, she actually reached out to me and said, hey, like, 
I listened to all your podcast episodes, but I listened to them in backwards order. <laughs> so it was like, I just got to episode two and it's like, you know, I get it. You said our meats kind of sucked at one point. And like, she didn't say it and she said it. She was you like, know, we're, you open, said you we're open to constructive criticism. Like, yeah. I appreciate that. But like, um, you know, I, I, I hope, uh, it's no hard feelings basically. And I was like, obviously not like I'm, I'm Italian, right? Like the thing with Italian, Italian people do is you can argue and be at each other's throat and then just be fine the next day, you know? So like I need to say how I feel, but that I don't hold a lot of hate for anybody, you know? So I told Jen, like, listen, I've had some of the best moments in my powerlifting career at their meets. You know, I've, I squatted my first thousand in Aurora. Um, Carling Var won his, you know, I watched him win worlds there. I did my first collegiates there. Um, the Gordo, the Gordero's done a lot for powerlifting in the USAPL. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, you know, yeah. So no hard feelings and they're, they're good. You know, they've never done anything wrong to me in my book. They're cool with me. Oh, I mean, no, Dan's they're only awesome. unloaded my bar in the warm room on purpose to try and fuck with me, but like, we're over it. We're over it. I grab his ass when I see him. It's, good. <laughs> it's fine. I'll yeah. be there to reload it this year, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. we've had some blow. I mean, we alluded to this last week, like some blowout fights in the warm yeah. room. Like I remember the specific year and meet and what happened. So if anybody wants to know, hit me up and maybe we'll tell the stories. Yeah. And if you <laughs> grab his ass, I might be jealous. Yeah. <laughs> I fluff his ass. Like he fluffs Blaine's ass. There's a whole lot of ass grabbing going on at these meets. I'm an ass man. All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> let's, let's reel it in. Wrap yeah. It up. So anyway, we, yeah, we do appreciate the, the feedback and, and let us know and, and the likes and comments and shares. So keep that up. And, uh, thanks for listening. See you See next ya. time. Later.